What a privilege and an honor and just a joy, joy to be with my root Sangha, uh, to see uh, so many dear uh, Sangha sisters and brothers on the screen here and to, to be with you across the miles and also to see um, some of my uh, wonderful Sangha sisters from Tuscaloosa Zen here with us today as well. So um, I, uh, I, I've been thinking a lot for the past year or so about um, Zazen Shin, the, uh, the point of Zazen, which is one of the wonderful essays in uh, Eihei Dogen's Shobo Genzo. And, um, and it's a, uh, the, the name of it is is such a, a fun little name in that um, uh, Ehe Dogen was uh, making a, a perhaps I like to think he was making a bit of a pun with with the title of this essay, the point of Zazen, because one of the things he does in the in the third part of this essay is to um, explore a, a a beautiful poem uh, that really inspired him, and uh, and and that poem was was about uh, the 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 uh, acupuncture needle of zazen, and so acupuncture needles being these uh, uh, hollow bamboo needles that are used to um, uh, remove blockages, remove. Uh, blockages of chi in the in the body, and um, and perhaps uh, uh, remove spiritual blockages uh, is um, one way to think about this this point of zazen, this this acupuncture needle. So um, so we'll be talking a lot about uh, the point, the pointy end of of this uh, of this uh, acupuncture needle of of the practice of Zazen. Um, this is a, a, um, a rather long essay with uh, a, a lot of different interesting ideas and I encourage you to take a look at it. Um, I don't want to do justice to all of it for sure, but I'll, uh, I wanna reflect on some parts that have really been um, uh, deep and important for me over the past year, year, year and uh, year and a quarter, I guess. Uh, I've been I've been working with it a lot and reading it a lot since the last time I uh, sat session uh, with you at the Houston uh, Zen Center, which was um, at uh, Auspicious Cloud in November of 2021. Uh, which was uh, a, a beautiful, beautiful session, and really enjoyed being there with you very much. So, um, one of the interesting things that, one interesting stories that happens in this essay, Zazen Shen, is right at the beginning. Uh, there's a, a really interesting story that opens with a Zen master and a monk. And the Zen master is Yao Shan, 
and uh, they've apparently been meditating together. And the monk and the monk and Yao Shan, and the monk says to Yao Shan afterwards, instead instead fast sitting, what do you think? And Yao Shan says, think not thinking. And the monk says, how do you think not thinking? And Yao Shan replies, beyond thinking. <laughs> and, I, and I'm laughing because um, I find that answer on first blush, not all that uh, illuminating. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I feel like Yao Shan is... Um, uh, if if I had been the monk there, I would I would have thought. I, I think I think uh, I think my teacher is pulling my leg here a bit. Uh, think not thinking uh, beyond thinking. Um, what is what does all this mean? Um, so really interesting choice of words, and and it's um. Uh, and it's a choice of words that that Dogen really uh, appreciated. He actually used almost the exact same words uh, 15 years before when he wrote uh, the Fukan Zazengi, which is uh, translated as recommending Zazen to all people. And it's one of the things that we recite as part of our Soto Zen liturgy. Um, it's an interesting essay in that in this essay, Dogen is giving us a relatively extensive instruction on how to prepare uh, uh, to uh, to be in zazen in in sitting meditation and then what to do in sitting meditation and so he gives us really extensive instruction on uh, how to prepare the place where we'll sit how to prepare our bodies beforehand what to sit on how to arrange our legs and our robes and our belts and our hands and our thumbs and our ears and our shoulders, uh, what we do with our nose and our mouth and our lips and our teeth, uh, how to begin by taking a breath and exhaling fully, uh, and then we're supposed to sway the body left and right. And so then having, ta having taken 270 words with these instructions, Dogen then takes a whole 13 words to tell us what, what to actually do in Zazen. And Kazukai uh, Tanahashi and Edward Brown translate, uh, translate those words like this. So, so those 13 words are, now sit steadfastly and think not thinking. How do you think not thinking? Ah, they're, they're going to tell us. Beyond thinking. <laughs> All right, so so that's that's our explicit and extensive uh, instruction from Dogen on on what to do with with our with uh, with with what we think of as our minds uh, during during the sitting zazen, and it turns out that that is very similar to to what happens in this old teaching story that Dogen is then bringing into this essay uh, zazen shin. So, so the monk asks uh, Yao Shan, the Zen master, instead best thinking, what do you think? Yao Shan says, think not thinking. The monk says, how do you think? <coughs> Yao Shan replies, beyond thinking. 
So um, it's interesting to look at some other translations of this as well. Uh, the Shasta Abbey translation by Reverend Nierman says, uh, uh, so the monk says, as you were sitting there all still and awesome, like a mountain, what was it that you were thinking about? And the master answered, what I was thinking about was based on not deliberately thinking about any particular thing. And the monk then asks, how can what anyone is thinking about be based on not deliberately thinking about something? And the master replied, it's a matter of what I am thinking about not being the point. It's a matter of what I am thinking about not being the point. So um, that's interesting. That's an interesting additional layer on this idea. And, uh, and we also get to come back to what is the point. And then I, I'd like to share one other, um, not actual translation. This is, this is from Brad Warner in his book, It Came From Beyond Zend. And, and he calls this a paraphrase rather than a translation. And so he describes the, the exchange like this. The monk says, what are you thinking about when you sit there like a big old rock? And the master says, I'm thinking the actual state of not thinking. And the monk says, how can you, how can you uh, think the actual state of not thinking? And the master said, well, it sure ain't the same as thinking. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, all right. So we know. So what do we know now? We, we know that we're instructed to go beyond thinking, uh, to work with the actual state of not thinking, which sure ain't the same as thinking. And perhaps that it's a matter of what we are thinking about not being the point. So that's a lot of words, a lot of different words, perhaps some related words. And, um, and, and, and it's all about the words not being the point. So I think it's interesting to look across these translations and, and uh, play with holding, holding the translations both um, uh, in, a, in a very honored place where we really bring our full attention to thinking about them or not thinking about them. And at the same time to hold them loosely. And, and, I, and by looking at these different translations, we see well, they're all somehow approximating something uh, because different people are choosing different words and collections of words to try to, to, try to describe this something. Kind of, uh, it reminds me very much of um, the Buddhist parable um, of the three uh, wise men and the elephant that I, I know we've all heard many times. And um, uh, uh, I should, I should uh, give you full disclosure that here in Alabama, there is a certain little university that, um, that uh, I am affiliated with that has an elephant as its mascot. So we like thinking about elephants. So uh, in this parable, um, uh, there are three blind men who um, are trying to understand the totality of the reality of an elephant and each grabs a different part of the elephant and comes to a wildly different 
conclusion about what's happening. What is this reality based on on uh, what they grab? So one one blind man grabs the tail, another grabs the trunk, another grabs a leg, and they uh, each conclude that an elephant is like a snake, or an elephant is like a rope, or an elephant is like uh, a tree, uh, uh, the trunk of a tree, um, all of which are um, in some way accurate and in, in uh, a larger way, wholly inaccurate. Um, and so, and so I find it helpful to, to keep that parable in mind as we're playing with all these different words and these different concepts and trying to understand what thinking, thinking is. Um, and of course that's, that's one of our core practices in, in, in our way in, in Soto Zen is, um, uh, holding holding words and thoughts loosely and and working to realize um the the larger reality beyond that um in thinking about words and different words and perhaps related words um i i was reading um uh, excerpts from this really interesting book this weekend on um really notable telegrams so so um in thinking about uh twitter and how twitter uh uh holds us at 140 words um this really interesting author said let's actually look back at telegrams because telegrams this isn't a new problem telegrams had the same problem of uh trying to get an idea across with very few words because with the telegram every every character cost a fair amount of money and so uh uh, one uh, famous telegram that was shared that I just thought was fabulous um, was a reporter reaching out to Clark Gable, the, the huge movie star, and needing to know for this uh, newspaper report how uh, old um, Clark Gable was. And so the telegram that the reporter sent to Clark Gable said, how old Clark Gable, four words. So I guess that was affordable on a reporter's salary. How old Clark Gable? And so Clark Gable, the movie star, wrote back and said, old Clark Gable, fine. How you? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm keeping this in mind. It, it also reminds me of there's a, a great uh, grammar book. Um, based on uh, uh, an apocryphal story uh, uh, about a um, another newspaper article, I think, that was trying to describe um, uh, what pandas consume. And, uh, and the phrase was, eats, shoots, and leaves. <laughs> if you put the commas in the wrong place, then you have pandas who eat and shoot and then leave, which is very rude. Um, and, um, and so that's uh, became the title of Lynn Truss's wonderful grammar book. And she has on the front of this grammar book, uh, 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 some pandas who are um, causing mayhem. Um, just like uh, these words can cause mayhem, depending upon 
what meaning we bring to it and and how tightly we we grasp at that meaning and uh and that gets back to uh perhaps the 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 larger point of uh of zazen point of this essay which is uh can we let go of the words so so one of uh the ideas that comes up over and over again in this essay is perhaps we should just sit. Perhaps we should just sit down in Zazen and, and see what happens and see if we can let go of all these multiple ideas we have. Um, and so maybe st- stop talking so much and, and start doing and doing this, this action of, of, uh, of Zazen. Um, I also want to offer that, um, in one of my professional traditions as a psychologist, one of, one of our teachings is that we, we can't choose to turn off thoughts, but we can choose to let go of thoughts. And there's a, a, a classic, um, psychological experiment, uh, uh, called the white bear experiment where, um, a, uh, uh, and I think maybe I've mentioned this before uh, when we've been together, uh, but the, the experiment uh, is that uh, the experimenter brings in um, uh, uh, research participants one at a time. And with each participant, the instructions are, I'd like you to talk out loud about uh, what's happening in your mind. And um, in just a minute, I'm going to tell you to to begin. And then I just like you to start talking out loud and I'm going to record what you say. And there's just one instruction. And the instruction is don't think about white bears. (laughs) So um, I'm wondering how many of you right now are thinking about white bears, fluffy white bears, uh, polar bears. Uh, stuffed bears, all kinds of bears. And, and as you might imagine, the results of that experiment are that um, when given that uh, instruction, when those uh, recordings are coded, there are many uh, um, uh, instances of the participants reporting that they are thinking about white bears. And then as a control group, um, other participants who are told just to speak aloud and, and describe what's happening in their minds, but aren't given that instruction, lo and behold, they mention white bears much less often. <laughs> um, and it turns out that's that's uh, uh, perhaps maybe a feature of how we store information in our minds because we, we uh, store information with associational networks where um, uh, uh, information is uh, accessed by things it's associated with. And so uh, perhaps um, uh, uh, you might store information about Alabama in your mind, close to information about Mississippi, if you have Southern states as, as part of your associational network, as an example. But what happens when when you say, don't think about white bears is to give your mind the instruction, don't think about white bears, your, your mind has to access that place in the network where white bears are stored. Otherwise, it doesn't know what to not think about. 
this is a long way of saying that um, perhaps what uh, thinking not thinking is, is that uh, is uh, as uh, Reverend Nierman suggested in, in his translation, it's a mat, it's a matter about what I'm thinking about not being the point. And that reminds me a lot of uh uh, Kosho Uchiyama's wonderful uh, book, Opening the Hand of Thought. And so the, the name of that book isn't Get Rid of the Thoughts or Don't Think the Thoughts. The name of the book is Open the Hand of Thought. And, uh, and, and Kosho Uchiyama later in that book says that thoughts are secretions of the mind. And, and I love that. Um, it's a little gross, uh, but... Uh, but it also, I think, a helpful metaphor in that um, uh, our, our bodies create all kinds of secretions that we very much need and appreciate for um, high functioning. And yet we, with those other kinds of secretions, we don't grab them close and say, this is so important that we, that we hold and collect and keep this secretion exactly as it is. Uh, we we say, thank you for the earwax. That's great. That keeps my ears working. Um, but I'm not going to to um, uh, put that on my altar. <laughs> so so um, so then we're back to uh, perhaps what I am thinking about not being the point when when we try to think beyond thinking. And so just, just playing with opening the hand of thought and, uh, and allowing, allowing that thought to, to, to drift away and then, and then to continue to, to um, sit in awareness. There's um, a, a second story in uh, this wonderful essay and it involves two Zen masters. Uh, Mazu is a Zen master, and then he's also a student of and has received a Dharma transmission from another Zen master, Nanyue. And the story goes that uh, one day uh, Nanyue uh, goes up to uh, Mazu, who has been sitting in Zazen, and says, uh, virtuous one, what is your intention in doing Zazen? And Mazu says, my intention is to become a Buddha. And uh, Dogen then asks us a great series of questions. And this is Tanahashi's translation here. Uh, Dogen asks us, quietly ponder this question. Was Nanyue asking if Mazu had the intention of going beyond Zazen? if he had an intention outside of Zazen, or if he had no intention at all? Was Nanyue asking what kind of Zazen emerges uh, while doing Zazen? Investigate this thoroughly. So, so uh, Dogen's asking us to step outside of, of the story for a moment and to, and to walk around it to, to um, really explore different parts of, of uh, of what's happening here with this with this um, uh, story about zazen and intentions, 
And then in the very next part of, of the essay, um, uh, Dogen makes a bit of an aside that's really interesting that I love. He says, uh, love a true dragon instead of loving a carved one. However, know that both carved and true dragons have the ability to produce clouds and rain. Do not treasure or belittle what is far away, but be intimate with it. Uh, and uh, I love this little aside. Uh, love a true dragon instead of loving a carved one. And Brad Warner offers us a, a couple of other translations of, of this little aside. Uh, uh, he says, um, Nishiyama and Stevens translated that as, it's important to cherish real dragons more than imitation dragons, yet know that both a real and an imitation dragon can cause clouds to form and rain to fall. And then he offers his own paraphrase. He says, it's better to love the real Godzilla than a Godzilla action figure. Yep. <laughs> Yet both the real Godzilla and the Godzilla action figure have fins that light up when they use their atomic fire breath. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Brad Warner goes on to explain that uh, uh, um, what he means by this is that the, the basis of this quote is about an old story about a guy who loved to collect uh, action figure uh, figures of dragons. And then an actual dragon heard about this guy and he figured he'd enjoy meeting him. But when the actual dragon comes to the guy's house, the guy is terrified and he runs away. And this is often used as a metaphor uh, um, be be uh, before Dogen's time even. Uh, this is an old teaching story and it's often used as a metaphor um, for people who talk about meditation all the time, but seem terrified of actually doing it. And um, there were people in those days uh, for whom that was the case. There are, are likely uh, even more people like that today. Um, there's something about reading about meditation that is really attractive. And then actually sitting down is, is a little bit scary. And, uh, and so what, what um, Dogen is saying in this in this little aside is that even imitation dragons can cause clouds to form and rain to fall. That is, um, even Godzilla action figures who have light up fins and atomic breath, um, uh, they can actually be um, uh, providing uh, uh, something as well. And so the 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 uh, action figure here are words concepts ideas as opposed to the actual sitting in zazen meditation that's the real dragon and so dogen's pointing pointing out that both aspects uh, can have a place in in our practice um, he's telling us we can kind of hold both here uh, and so he's saying that um, even those who do nothing but talk about meditation and never do it are also in their own small way on the buddhist path that's how brad warner puts that they, they still have light up bins and atomic breath too, but still it's good to do the real thing. And, and so that takes us back to the point of, of Zazen and, and the point of Zazenshin, this idea that uh, it's, it's so important for us to, to actually sit and 
and um, uh, and and to and to uh, value dropping off body and mind and and actually sitting. Um, later on in the story, uh, 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 Nanue and and um, uh, Mazu continue to talk, uh, and and Nanue uh, uh, says um, uh, go, goes and picks up a tile. So so Nanue uh, so. So Mazu has said, my intention is to become a Buddha by, um, by setting Zazen. And Nanyue, then he goes and picks up a clay tile. Uh, so not anything shiny, just, a, just an old clay tile. And he starts to polish it on a rock. Can you imagine polishing a clay tile on a rock? So really, he's taking a piece of clay and he's scratching a rock on it. And Mazu says, what are you doing? And Nanyue says, I'm polishing this tile to make a mirror. And Mazu says, how can you make a mirror by polishing a tile? Nanyue says, how can you become a Buddha by doing Zazen? And uh, Nanyue then a little bit later on says, um, when driving a cart, if it stops moving, do you prod the cart or do you prod the ox? And Mazu was silent. And Nanyue then says, if you're practicing Zen, uh, if you're practice, if you practice sitting Zen, you practice sitting Buddha. And he continues, if you practice sitting Zen, you will know that Zen is not about sitting or lying down. In the practice of sitting Buddha, the Buddha has no fixed form. If you sit Buddha, you go beyond, that is, you kill Buddha. And if you are identified with the sitting form, you've not reached the heart of the matter. So another uh, way that uh, Dogen helps us uh, hold both with these stories is often he brings in one of these old teaching stories like he's doing now, and he explores both the kind of the classical uh, um, interpretation of the story. And then he adds uh, another layer on that. So the classical in interpretation of the story being um, uh, sit without intention. Uh, so uh, which uh, is sometimes that idea of uh, Zazen is good for nothing. We sit without intention. We sit to sit. And, uh, and, and ironically, by sitting without intention, then we can become Buddha. And then there's this extra layer here as well, where Dogen is encouraging us to explore this part of uh, when, when driving a cart and it stops moving, do you, do you prod the cart or the ox? And those are metaphors for um, the sitting, the physical practice, and what we're doing with that mental practice, uh, what we're doing with our study, like having a Dharma talk like this, and, uh, and letting go of these conceptions, what, what uh, is called here uh, the form, that, that in the practice of sitting Buddha, the Buddha has no fixed form, 
And so if we let go of form, if we if we let go of preconceptions, that that is when we sit Buddha. And that if we are identified or confined by a preconception, then we've not reached the heart of matter, then we're not sitting Buddha. And I have a quick little story about this, which is the reason that I started thinking about this essay so much um, more than a year ago, which was after after sitting Sashin with all of you uh, uh, in November of 2021, I drove home and uh, had, uh, it turned out that I was uh, uh, not, not doing something exactly right in my, in my sitting practice or my exercise. And after a 12 hour drive home uh, from, from Texas, I threw out my back. And what that started was this really interesting process of having to do lying down meditation for more than a year. So in sitting Zazen with my, uh, with my wonderful Sangha here in Tuscaloosa and, and joining you all for sitting Zazen um, periodically and would often be doing that lying down. And so this teaching of Nanyue that uh, we need to go beyond fixed form was so dear to me because it was, it was in this very um, concrete way so true for me. Um, I had this idea that I needed to be on my cushion in a certain position to be doing zazen, but zazen goes beyond any set form. It's how we do it. It's how we do that dropping off of body and mind. It's how we do that going beyond thinking. That that is that that is the the true zazen, and and I discovered that I could work with my body mind and and how I held my physical body um, and and work with that and just in a disciplined way lying down just as I could sitting, which was a very, very interesting practice. And um, uh, at the end of this uh, of this story, Nanyue uh, says uh, do uh, Nanyue says that that this is actually a pivotal practice, and and Dogen explores this idea of the pivot several more times in this essay. Talks about that. Um, uh, know that what Buddhas and ancestors have regarded as the pivotal point is sitting Buddha. There are Buddha ancestors who employ this pivotal point. And that that is what moves us forward. And um, Galen Roshi and I were discussing some of these ideas of, uh, several weeks ago, and we were talking about pivots and how um, and and how important that pivot is for us uh, in our practice. And uh, she reminded me of the wonderful story again with elephants of an elephant turn. Uh, and how that is like a pivot point. So there's a, a wonderful Buddhist parable about how uh, the Buddha never uh, just turned and looked over his shoulder when he wanted to speak to someone. Instead, he turned his entire body so that he was giving whoever that person was his full attention 
and they called that the elephant turn because elephants don't have much of a neck. So when elephants want to see something, they have to turn their entire body. Um, so it's interesting to think about zazen as this pivotal activity where we can we can pivot. We can pivot to seeing things in a new way, to seeing things from multiple perspectives, un unlike those wise men who were stuck on one, one perspective, one pers part of the elephant, uh, and that zazen and this going beyond thinking can be this important pivot for us. So I'm, I'm noticing our time, and I am going to uh, begin to uh, pivot towards the end. There is a, a beautiful poem at the end of this essay, and I am just going to read it to you without any interpretation and, and let it sink in. And it is called The Point of Zazen. And it says, the hub of Buddha's activity, the turning of the ancestor's hub, moves along with beyond thinking and is completed in the realm of beyond merging. As it moves along with beyond thinking, its appearing is immediate. As it is completed in the realm of beyond merging, completeness itself is realization. When its appearing is intimate, you have no illusion. When completeness reveals itself, it is neither real nor apparent. When you have immediacy without illusion, immediacy is dropping away with no obstacles. Realization beyond real or apparent is effort without expectation. Clear water all the way to the bottom, a fish swims like a fish, vast sky transparent throughout, a bird flies like a bird. And that's Tanahashi's um, translation of that beautiful poem. Uh, and uh, that is actually Dogen's uh, reinterpretation of uh, an original poem that really inspired him by Wanshi called Needle for Zazen. And uh, so maybe the most important point here is that Zazen is the one great matter and that we are having this opportunity to, to use uh, the Zazen uh, experience as a pivot for us. So I'm not going to try to expand or interpret that lovely poem anymore. Um, what I'd encourage you to do is be go beyond the carved dragon of this talk and meet with the real dragon and uh, maybe look at this poem again on your own and bring the deep attention of the elephant to this real dragon. So, so read this poem uh, again and um, and really turn your entire body mind toward the poem, like the elephant turn. And, uh, and then pivot to the pivotal activity of sitting zazen. And, uh, and as you do that, know that your sangha supports you in these fundamental activities and that out in Alabama, a state where one little university has an elephant for a mascot and uh, right down the road, Another un little university has a dragon for a mascot. 
so here in Alabama, there are members of fellow Sanghas who are also supporting you and also receiving your support. <laughs>